Christchurch, good morning. If you're at home worshipping with us, you are all welcome. I chose that video because the theme this morning is God reigns. We meet in the name of Jesus Christ, who died and was raised to the glory of God the Father. Grace and mercy be with you. This morning we're going to be reading out of the psalm, Psalm 47. Ingrid will read it later, but I want to read a verse to introduce our service. Our theme, and Peter will be preaching, as I've said, is Our God Reigns. And the psalmist says, Sing praises to God, sing praises. Sing praises to our King, sing praises. For God is the King of all the earth. Sing to him a psalm of praise. And that's what we're going to do as we sing our first song. Praise him, praise him, Jesus, my blessed Redeemer.
it. Thank you. We say together preparation. Almighty God, from whom all hearts are open, all desires known, and from whom no secrets are hidden, cleanse the thoughts of our hearts by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit, that we may perfectly love you and worthily magnify your holy name. Through Christ our Lord. which reminds us that we've come into the presence of a holy God and we need to confess our sins. Our Lord Jesus Christ said, the first commandment is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is the only Lord. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind and with all your strength. The second is this. Love your neighbour as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. Amen. Lord, have mercy. We're going to sit quietly and sing our next song as we bear that in mind that we've just read, the things that Jesus said we must do. And we're going to sit quietly and sing. We have come into this place and gathered in his name to worship him.
So, Father, we bring to you those things that have let us down and let you down. And we thank you for your forgiveness. And Father, as we turn to your word now and listen to Ingrid reading and Peter preaching, we pray that you would open our ears, that we would hear the words that you want us to hear today. That in this broken world we may indeed know that you reign. Amen. Clap your hands, all you nations. Shout to God with cries of joy. For the Lord Most High is awesome, the great King over all the earth. He subdued nations under us, peoples under our feet. He chose our inheritance for us, the pride of Jacob, whom he loved. God has ascended amid shouts of joy, the Lord amid the sounding of trumpets. Sing praises to God, sing praises. Sing praises to our King, sing praises. For God is the King of all the earth. Sing to him a psalm of praise. God reigns over the nations. God is seated on his holy throne. The nobles of the nations assemble as the people of the God of Abraham. For the kings of the earth belong to God. He is greatly exalted. This is the word of the Lord. Good morning, everybody. Sing praises to God, sing praises. Sing praises to our King, sing praises. For God is the King of all the earth. Sing to Him a psalm of praise. I think I might have grown a bit in the last week. Thanks, Mark. I don't know if you know much about the country of Bhutan. Uh, Bhutan is a mountainous country, sandwiched between China and India. Uh, It's uh, located in the eastern Himalayas. It's actually pretty much next door to Nepal, where Rachel Carrick uh, lives and works. It's a long way from where we are here in Shropshire. Uh, But Bhutan, like our own country, is a constitutional monarchy. Uh, But it wasn't always like that. December 2006, (coughs) King, I'm going to try to get his name right, King Jigme Singye Wangchuk, I think his name is. Bit of a mouthful. 
formally abdicated after 34 years as king, ruling with absolute power. And yet in 2006, he announced that he was giving up absolute power in favor of a constitutional monarchy headed by his son, the Crown Prince, got another, another name coming up, Crown Prince Jigme Kesar Namgyal. And the nation was stunned. Couldn't believe it. People openly wept and begged their monarch, begged the king to reconsider giving up his absolute power. Have you heard of such loyalty, such love for an absolute ruler? You can think of other dictators, can't you, I'm sure, like that, uh, who uh, have absolute power. Uh, The late dictator of Libya, Muammar Gaddafi, claimed to hold that level of respect from his people and of his people, but events proved otherwise because Gaddafi was killed by his own people. Now, I don't know exactly what made King Jigme of Bhutan such an amazing king in the eyes of his people. Uh, Maybe it's to do with something called a a National Happiness Index that uh, he put together to ensure as much as he could that his people were happy. I don't know, maybe that was what it was. Now, you and I are not citizens of Bhutan, as far as I know, but let me remind you of something. You and I are ruled by a king, Christ the King. So how does King Jesus compare to King Jigme? There is no comparison even though he was so loved, there is no comparison. Indeed, has there ever been a a king as as awesome as Christ? Well, we'll answer that question with a resounding no when we look at what Christ rules and how he rules. And because Christ is king over everyone and everything, and because he has, as the psalm says, ascended on high and sits at the right hand of the Father in heaven, that means that all heaven is rejoicing. Right now, heaven is rejoicing. Right now, heaven is a party. Heaven is having a party. I don't know if you like going to parties or not. One of my favorite Christian authors, Tony Campolo, wrote a book, The Kingdom of God is a Party. It's great, isn't it? The kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God, which is the same thing, is a party. Heaven is having a party. And that's what Psalm 47 says. Psalm 47, verse 5. God has ascended amid shouts of joy. The Lord amidst the sounding of trumpets. There is joy in the heavenlies. There is joy in heaven because God has gone up. We're going to think about what that means in a moment. What does it mean that God has ascended? It's not that obvious, but it's very important as to why that is. Now, I'm guessing we're all Christians here today. And as Christians, we confess with our lips and with our heart that 
God is an awesome king. Christ is an awesome king. But when you read some of the Gospels, some portions of the Gospels, it doesn't immediately look like that. Turn, if you've got a Bible, to Matthew 27. We, uh, we didn't read uh, this in the Easter readings, but Matthew 27 is, is one of the chapters that is read, obviously, uh, in the Easter season. And it's a long chapter. We won't, we won't read it this morning, but uh, it's a very long chapter. And, and when you read Matthew 27, you are reading this really a whole, whole range of things going on in your mind and your heart as you read it. Heartbreaking, emotional roller coaster of Jesus being taken to trial before Pilate the soldiers mocking Jesus, and then, of course, him being nailed to the cross. And, uh, and it's such a horrendous graphic account of, of, of the humiliation of Christ. Of course, he's, he's innocent of all charges. He's, he's, he's done nothing wrong at all to, to merit any of this treatment. The crown of thorns that is thrust on his head, the blood that flows from that... All of these horrendous things that happened to Christ in the lead up to his crucifixion and then, of course, on the cross is happening to the beautiful Son of Heaven. The beautiful Son of God is treated with contempt and utter degradation by people. And then, of course, the soldiers manhandle uh, Jesus and then they nail him on that cross. So much for that king, they may have been thinking. So much for that king. But just when everything seems to have been said and done, Matthew then tells us there's an earthquake. An earthquake so violent it splits the rocks and opens the tomb. The tombs and the dead come out walking. Of course, this is just a preview of what happens at the resurrection when Jesus himself breaks open the tomb and he himself walks out of his tomb very much alive. Roman conquerors may have conquered so much of the known world of their day, in Jesus' day, and they may have seemed so much more impressive than Christ on the day of his crucifixion. But no emperor, no king, no ruler, no sovereign in the history of the world has been able to conquer death. We're in this season of Easter. We're we're thinking about the fact that Jesus is alive. He has conquered death. He conquered the cross. He came through. And that's one reason why Christ is so awesome as king. He is so amazing. That is one reason amongst so many why he is worth our lives being given to him. He rules over death, or should I say he overrules death. He overrules death. Doesn't it give you calm to know that even though the doctor may announce one day that there is little hope for survival, King Jesus has already given you a second opinion. 
through faith in him. Even though one day you or I may be given that verdict from the doctor or whatever it is, or may some, some accident may befall us, whatever happens. Even though our body will be buried in the grave, my soul, your soul, is safe. Eternally safe because in this life you chose, I chose Jesus. And so as we choose Jesus in this life, we know the everlasting safety of God in the next. As a vicar, I, I take quite a lot of funerals. And uh, that's one of the things I say in a funeral. Is, is about turning to Christ in this life. Don't leave it too long. Listen to what Christ says. Listen to the challenge of what Christ says. This is what I say in every funeral. Listen to the challenge of what Christ is saying. And don't leave it too long. Turn to Christ in this life. And I don't say these things to frighten anyone. I don't say these things to scare anyone. But of course we know, don't we, that there is that, that, that mortality. We are mortal beings. One day we will die. And so it's better to say yes to Christ in this life and wait to, than wait too long and then it is too late. Choose life, choose Jesus. So it's no wonder is it the Psalm 47 uh, resounds, doesn't it? God has ascended amid shouts of joy. The Lord amidst the sounding of trumpets. Sing praises to God, sing praises, sing praises to our King. Sing praises. For God is the king of all the earth. Sing to him a psalm of praise. He doesn't rule over, only over death, as if that wasn't enough. He, he rules over death. He rules over the whole earth. Even over rogue nations like North Korea. He is in charge of chaotic places that you and I are reading about in the newspapers and seeing in the news. He rules over places like Somalia. He rules over nations like Afghanistan, Iraq, even Ukraine, where there is that chaos and that horrendous suffering going on. He rules. Jesus is sovereign over Russia. He's sovereign over President Putin, even though Putin likes to think he, he is in charge. Jesus is in charge of Putin, and one day Putin will bow the knee to him. One day. And so it's comforting, isn't it? To know that Christ the King rules over all things. But let's not forget, this means he rules our lives as well. We are not the master of the house. Jesus is the master of our house, as it were. He is the master of our lives. We don't have the final say on what goes, uh, what happens with our body. What happens with our free time, even. Jesus rules. And that's why verse 2 of our psalm literally says the Lord most high is to be feared. For the Lord most high is awesome. He, that means we must be in awe of him. He is the great king of all the earth. He is awesome. He's mighty. We stand. We need to stand in awe of him. 
And yet, even though we stand in awe of him and we are in awe of him, and yet we are in some way in fear of him, we have the fear of the Lord, that doesn't mean also we should think of him as a tyrant. He's not a tyrant. Listen to how this king rules. Verses 3 and 4 of the psalm. He subdued nations under us, peoples under our feet. He chose our inheritance for us, the pride of Jacob, whom he loved. Think of the way that uh, kings, leaders, presidents, prime ministers around the world use their power. Not all of them, but some of them uh, use their power to line their own pockets. Some of them, not all of them, use their power, their, their standing, their, their authority <coughs> to ensure that their lives are easy. And if they fight, what they do is they conscript others to fight for them. They often they don't go to the front lines themselves. They reap the benefits of what others do for them and are made to do for them. But not Christ. Not Christ. He himself fights and he himself gives us the victory. The Old Testament is clear about this. The Old Testament uh, tells us this again and again and again. When the Israelites fight, God is with them in that battle. In the, as they move into the promised land, God goes ahead of them. Do you remember how they won their first victory in those battles? They marched around the city of Jericho seven times, around and around and around, and then God made the walls fall. God was in the battle with them. And then, of course, that becomes even more obvious in the New Testament. As we read the New Testament, it becomes even clearer that God is in the battle with us. He literally stood up from his throne of heaven, got down on his human hands and knees to search for and save people like you and me. Can you imagine the Prime Minister doing that? Can you imagine Boris Johnson doing something like that? Can you imagine him uh, literally getting down on his hands and knees and helping you search for something you've lost on the high street in town? You've lost your wallet, you've lost your purse. You know, you're searching for it on the street. Can you imagine Prime Minister Boris Johnson coming alongside you and getting down on his hands and knees and searching for that wallet with you? Maybe he would. I don't know, but I doubt it. I think he'd probably say, I've got more important things to do. But this is God. This is God. This has been his priority since, since the, the, the fall of sin in Genesis, to search for and save those who are lost. This is our God. And this is why the psalmist calls us to praise him with exuberant praise because God is with us. God has ascended amid shouts of joy. The Lord amidst the sounding trumpets. Sing praises to God. Sing praises. Sing praises to our King. Sing praises. He has conquered. Yes. He has won our salvation. He has ascended to the throne of heaven. That's what we're told. He's gone to be with his father at the right hand. He reigns at the right hand of the father in glory. And that's why the psalmist says he has gone up. That is important. 
There's real significance of that in that because God has ascended. Christ has gone up. He's ascended to the Father. And by doing that, what he's, he's, done, he's doing and has done is he's showing creation who is in charge. He's shown creation that he is in charge. And that one day every knee will bow, every tongue confess that Christ is Lord. But sometimes maybe we kind of wish that, you know, why didn't he sort of stick around a bit longer and have a little chat with you and I? Have a conversation with us, you know, a lazy afternoon conversation. Just to sort of, you know, so we could sort of have a little chat with him about all these things we're going through. Well, here's that wonderful mystery I was talking about a little bit earlier on about God ascending on high and Jesus ascending on high. Because when he ascended, it means he could then fill us with his power. Ephesians 4, verse 10. If you've got a Bible, again, just maybe uh, flick through to Ephesians 4, verse 10. I'll read it to you. Ephesians 4, verse 10 says, He who descended is the very one who ascended higher than all the heavens in order to fill the whole universe. Let me read that again. He who descended, he who went down, is the very one who ascended, who went up higher than all the heavens in order to fill the whole universe. And so when Ephesians 4 verse 10 says he has, he went down to go up to fill the whole universe, that includes you and me. That verse includes you and me. He ascended to fill the whole universe. Wow. That means his power is available to you and I. Because he has filled the universe. Do you want to have a conversation with Jesus? Go for it. It's not a long-distance call. We don't make a long-distance call to Jesus. It's not as if he's uh, a long, long way away. No, Jesus is with us. He is here. Jesus is with you. He is with me. And so that's that privilege of prayer, isn't it? We can speak to him at any time. We can be with him at any time. We know he hears us. He's never left. He hasn't left us. He never will. He has filled the whole universe. Is there any other king as awesome as this? That is a song. That is a sound. That is a party that fills heaven right now. The sound of praises to our king who has ascended, who has gone up and is now seated at the right hand of the throne of the Father in all might and majesty and authority and power. Now, I'm not sure what King Jigme, the former king of Bhutan, is up to right now. Uh, Rumour has it he retired to a cabin high in the mountains. How different is King Jesus? He has ascended. He has gone up to the highest heaven. But that doesn't mean that he was trying to get away from the noise and the chaos of this world. No. No. He ascended to the throne of heaven 
in order to rule over all things. Even those tiniest little details of our lives, he rules over all things. He rules us with love. He rules us with grace. He's calling people to repentance. He sends the Holy Spirit to remind us of who he is. He sends the Holy Spirit to point us to that forgiveness that he's won for us by dying on the cross for us. Has there ever been a king as awesome as this? No. And so we will clap our hands with joy and we will sing praise to the Lord Most High for he is king over all the universe. Sing praises to God, sing praises. Sing praises to our king, sing praises. For God is the king of all the earth. Sing to him a psalm of praise. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, you are ascended to the right hand of the throne of heaven. You sit in majesty at the right hand of the Father. And you fill all things. You are with us. You are here. And your power fills us by the presence of the Holy Spirit in us. And what an awesome thing that is. What, a, what an awesome king you are. We stand in awe of you. And yet, Lord, even though you're so awesome and so mighty and so strong, you are so gentle and so loving and so kind. And you are calling people to come back to you. Help us to be messengers, ambassadors of the good news of Jesus Christ. Amen. Thank you, Peter. And we're going to declare your majesty as we sing our song. We declare your majesty and we will stand and we will sing it twice.
And we remain standing as we declare our faith in word. Do you believe and trust in God the Father? I believe in God. Let's carry on with that one. Yeah. We'll start again. Do you believe in trust in God, the Father, the source of all being and life, the one for whom we exist? We believe and trust in him. Do you believe and trust in God, the Son, who took our human nature, died for us and rose again? We believe and trust in him. Do you believe and trust in God, the Holy Spirit, who gives life to the people of God and makes Christ known to the world? We believe and trust in him. This is the faith of the church. This is our faith. We believe and trust in one God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. The peace of the Lord be also with you. Let us share one another the peace of the Lord. We sit and say our prayers of intercession. Let's pray together. Father God, in whose love we live and move, we pray for a world crying out to feel loved, wanted, cherished, and unique. Lord, have mercy. Christ, have mercy. We pray for a world that is torn apart by conflict and war. A world that lives uneasily in a climate of fear, with no clear vision for future days. Lord, have mercy. Christ, have mercy. We pray for a world that thinks less of others than of self. A world where division between nations, race, religion, neighbour and family leads to distrust. Lord, have mercy. We pray for a world that is short on happiness, too busy to enjoy the world that you've created, too preoccupied with living to appreciate life. 
Lord, have mercy. Christ, have mercy. We pray for a world where spiritual longing is satisfied by fashionable notions and temporary solutions with no thought for tomorrow. Lord, have mercy. Christ, have mercy. We pray for a world that needs to know your love, your hope, your peace, your joy and salvation. A world that needs to know it is special, uniquely loved by God and our Heavenly Father. Lord, have mercy. And we pray for the countries that are in turmoil through war, through dictatorship, through famine, this war-torn world, Lord. Lord, have mercy. Amen. Peter will now come and lead us in communion. turned away, you did not reject us, but came to meet us in your Son. You embraced us as your children, and welcomed us to sit and eat with you. In Christ you shared our life, that we might live in him and he in us. He opened his arms of love upon the cross, and made for all the perfect sacrifice for sin. On the night he was betrayed at supper with his friends, he took bread and gave him thanks. He broke it and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take and eat. This is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Father, we do this in remembrance of him. His body is the bread of life. At the end of supper, taking the cup of wine, he gave you thanks and said, Drink this, all of you. This is my blood of the new covenant, 
which you poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of him. Father, we do this in remembrance of him. His blood is shed for us. As we pro proclaim his death and celebrate his rising in glory, send your Holy Spirit that this bread and this wine may be to us the body and blood of your dear Son. As we eat and drink these holy gifts, make us one in Christ, our risen King. With your whole church throughout the world, we offer you this sacrifice of praise and lift our voice to join the eternal song of heaven. Holy, holy, holy Lord, God of power and might, heaven and earth are full of your glory. Hosanna. Receive the body of our Lord Jesus Christ, which he gave for you, and his blood, which he shed for you. Eat and drink in remembrance of Christ our Savior, and feed on him in your hearts by faith, with thanksgiving.
And so we stand to sing our final song. How lovely on the mountains are the feet of him who brings good news. Let's stand to sing together.
Father, we thank you for this worship we have had together, whether at home or in church. And we pray that you would help us to go forward from this day knowing that whatever our situation, you reign. You are closer to us than our very breath. And now, Father, we pray for Jeanette and for Sue as they take the worship this morning at the 10.45. We pray, Lord, for their theme of joy. And we ask that you fill this place with the joy of the Lord, that we would go out from here filled with it, and that the congregation that meet next time would go away with it as well, that we would indeed bring good news to the people that we meet this week. And so, a blessing. God the Father, by whose glory Christ was raised from the dead, strengthen you to walk with him in his risen life, and the blessing of God Almighty, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit be among with you and remain with you always. Amen. Before we finally finish, thank you for Mark and Ian and Chris and Peter Onsley and Ingrid. I couldn't have managed without you. I'm sorry I got the wrong creed, but it didn't really matter. So go in peace, in love to serve the Lord, in the name of Christ. Amen. Amen.